0: will be lord if you will please turn with me in the old testament to the book of jeremiah chapter number 31 we encourage you week after week bring your bibles with you to the house of god and open them when we study the scripture because we want you to be a student of the word of god I would like to think I'm a student of the Word of God in that I love to study the Bible and find out what the Bible has to say about many different things. Uh, Don't just live your life depending on somebody else to tell you what they think. If you really want to get smart, and I use that word lightly, uh, read the Bible. You'll improve your intelligence level quite a bit. Read the Bible. Jeremiah chapter number 31. At the same time, saith the Lord, Will I be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, The people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, "Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love; therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again, I will build thee; and thou shalt be built, O Virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with thy tabrets, and shall go forth." in the dances of them that make merry. Thou shalt plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that the watchman upon Mount Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye and let us go up to Zion unto the Lord our God. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations, Publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Lord, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and gather them from the coast of the earth, and with them the blind... And the lame, the woman with child, and her that travaileth with child together, a great company shall return thither. They shall come with weeping and with supplications. Will I lead them? I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O you nations, and declare it to the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel shall gather him, and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd and their souls shall be as A watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate. The soul of the priest with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. One final verse in verse number 25 For I have satiated the weary soul, and I've replenished every sorrowful soul. Those two last verses will formulate my text this morning and I want to speak on a one word subject and that is the word satisfaction. Satisfaction. The subject of this chapter deals with the restoration of Israel, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. It is clearly borne out in verse 1. In verse 6 and verse number 7. 2,000 years ago God blinded Israel's eyes. He blinded the Jews and put them on the shelf of helplessness. May I take a moment to refer to Romans 11 verses 25 through 27. For the New Testament on this. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be considered wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Israel has never been satisfied as a nation of people since the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ 2000 years ago Do you remember they were among the multitude that took Christ along with the Roman soldiers and presented him as a victim to be hung on a cross. And they made this statement, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Now, you need to be careful for what you say. But my dear friends, God held them accountable for that. And they've been accountable for that for the last 2,000 years. They're constantly in war and bloodshed. I do not believe there's another nation on the face of this earth that has faced so many types of bloodshed and carnage as the nation of Israel. They do not possess all the land. That God promised to their father Abraham. The present land that they have is restricted and it's limited. The Jews are a despised and scattered people all over the world. They cry out to God every day at the wailing wall. That God might be pleased to send them a Messiah. Whom we as God's people have come to know through faith in Jesus Christ, He is the Messiah of Israel. Their eyes will have to be opened. They're blind concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. However, there's coming a day when a remnant of Israel shall be saved and restored to their land. And in that day, they will be completely Satisfied Notice the text again In verse 14 And verse 25 Verse 14 I will satiate The soul of the priest With fatness And my people shall be satisfied With my goodness Saith the Lord Look at verse 25 For I have satiated The weary soul And I have replenished Every sorrowful Soul. Satiate. We don't find that word used too much in our English today. Satiate means to satisfy completely, it means to have perfect peace and contentment. If a person is satiated, he is fully satisfied. It means to be so full that there's no room or desire for anything else. Satiated. Satisfied. Though the primary application of these verses that I've read for you have to do with Israel, there is a spiritual application to be made to all of God's elect, whether Jew or Gentile. Look at verse number 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. We need to be satiated today. God's people need to be satisfied today. Not just somewhere out yonder in the sweet by and by we need something now we need a moving of God now we need to have peace and contentment in our heart and in our soul right now there are four forms I want you to follow me if you will please there are four forms of satisfaction presented here two of them are found in verse 14. And two of them are found in verse number 25. In verse number 14 he says, I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness. A second thing listed in verse 14, My people shall be satisfied with my goodness. Verse 25 he says, I have satiated the weary soul... And again, verse 25 says, I have replenished every sorrowful soul. Let's look at those four forms. Number one, God's people are satisfied with the appointed sacrifice. He says in verse 14, I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness. Do you know why so many of us are fat? It's because we love fat food. And priests are no different. But they had not the privilege of eating fat. Whenever they made a sacrifice to the Lord, the entire sacrifice had to be given to the Lord, including the fatness. The Old Testament priest was forbidden to eat the fat of the sacrifice. Now, this will help you, Leviticus chapter number 7, for verification of that. Leviticus chapter number 7. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, shall they, that is the priest, kill the sacra- or the trespass offering, And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar. Pay attention now. He shall offer of it all the fat thereof. The rump and the fat that covereth the inwards. And the two kidneys and the fat that is on them which is by the flanks. And the caul that is above the liver... With the kidneys it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. They could not keep the fat. They could not hold the fat and use the fat for food in any way. It had to be offered in its entirety as an offering unto the Lord. And yet notice... Verse 14 of Jeremiah 31, God said, I will satiate, I will satisfy the soul of the priest with fatness. Now, I've been having for some time now, high blood pressure problems. And sometimes it gets to spiking and when it does, it doesn't know where to stop. I get a little concerned before it's over with. So I had to give up coffee. Had to give up Cokes. Had to give up salt. Nothing even has any taste without salt. Well, these priests, my dear friends, it was impossible for them to be satisfied with their food because they could not hold back some of that offering and eat it Especially the fat. There were certain parts he could eat as the shoulder and the breast. But to eat the fat brought the death penalty because the fat was to be offered only unto God. Now let me give you some good news. (laughs) Every New Testament believer is a priest. According to Revelation chapter 1 verse number 6. He hath made us kings and priests under God. He hath clothed us in white garments. And we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We go to Him personally in prayer. We do daily services unto the Lord. We can even enter into the Holy of Holies according to Hebrews ten nineteen. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, we are satisfied with Christ as our sin offering. Hebrews nine twenty eight. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. The Father was satisfied with the sacrifice of His Son. Isaiah 53, 11. It tells us exactly what the father thought about the sacrifice of his son Christ on the cross. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The father was satisfied when Christ died as our high priest and also as our savior. We should also be satisfied as believers. We need No other sacrifice, nor do we need any sacrifice that will provide us fat from any other animal, because we have a fatness in our sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, that renders us satisfied. The hymn writer said, I need no other argument, I need no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. We are permitted to eat the fatness of Christ. What are you talking about, Brother Cozart? John chapter 6 verse 57. The Lord Jesus said, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me... Even he shall live by me. Christ is our fatness that renders us satisfied with him in all regards. Think of this. There's no part of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we are prohibited from eating. There was a part of the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament That could not be eaten. It was not permitted. But there's no part of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross of Calvary. That you cannot eat. And take into your system. And take into your soul. And receive the fatness of Jesus Christ. We're permitted to eat the fatness of Christ. Hallelujah for that. Notice the second thing. God's people are satisfied with God's goodness. Back to verse 14. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Not with their goodness. Not with their increase of my finances. Or not with the good things that are happening to them. But they're going to be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Now, folk... If you can't say it, think it. God's people ought to be satisfied with the election that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Jeremiah 31 3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Deuteronomy 7 7 through 8 says, The Lord did not set his love upon you. Nor did he choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. Now when did he love us? Not after we were born. But my dear friends, before the worlds were ever created, God elected and chose a people unto himself. And you say, why did he choose me? I tell you why. Because he loved you. And you did nothing to earn that love. You were not even in existence when God placed his love on his elected people. For the life of me, let me just insert this. Get away from my notes just a minute. I can't understand why everybody who professes to know Christ doesn't rejoice over election. That's the one of the most beautiful doctrines in the Word of God. You say, "Well, I, I I didn't get to vote." That's why it's so beautiful. I didn't get to vote either. I tell you this much: in my unsaved state, I'd have voted no. But God loved me and chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. Boy, it's satisfaction. That's satisfaction. We ought to be satisfied with our adoption. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 says, If children were heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Adoption is that work of God's grace whereby he takes the believing sinner and places him into the family of God as a son of, as a son, we are the sons of God because that is our, we were adopted as God's children. And I thank the Lord for adoption. Sons of God in the Old Testament always refers to angels, but in the New Testament, it refers to all of God's children. God deals with us as sons. As sons. God has many, many sons. And he deals with his children as sons. I'm satisfied with my election. I'm satisfied with my adoption. <laughs> I'm satisfied with our future estate. In 1 Corinthians two nine, what's going to happen out yonder? Boy, I've been watching the television and they have been noticing the news accounts and things don't look too good. Let me give you some good news. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I hath not seen, neither has ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. And while we're down here worried about everything, God's preparing something better than you've ever had on this earth. That's our future. In Psalm 17, verse 15, as for me... I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied. Watch it. I will be satisfied when I awake in thy righteousness. We spend too much thinking about how am I going to die and where am I going to be when I die. Let's talk about something much better than that. And that's resurrection, awaking in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satisfied. Again, number three, God's people are satisfied as weary pilgrims. In verse number 25, he says, I have satiated the weary soul. I have satiated, I have satisfied the weary soul. One has said, and I concur with it, we may get weary in the way, but we never get weary of the way. We grow tired on our pilgrim journey. And the longer you live, the tireder you get. I don't know if you've noticed that lately. We're often oftentimes, depressed. Preacher and people alike. And we're filled sometimes with doubt. But God will never forsake us. He'll never forsake us. I notice several things. He picks us up when we fall. In Proverbs 24 verse 16, a just man falleth seven times, except for Dan Cozart, he falls 7,000 times. A just man falleth seven times, but riseth again. Always rising again. In the 37th Psalm, Verses 23 through 24, it says it this way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking, nor his seed begging bread he's merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed depart from evil do good dwell forevermore for the lord, lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell there for ever now forever's a pretty long period of time is it not picks us up when we fall he revives us when we get cold and bitter and notice that's not b e t t e r but b i t t e r have you ever been there before have you ever looked in the mirror and you did not like what you saw It just didn't please you. And you didn't tell anybody. But you didn't like what you saw. But there was coldness. There was bitterness. The Lord Jesus, after his resurrection, was walking down the road to Emmaus. There were two disciples who had been in Jerusalem and seen the crucifixion of Christ. And they had left because they thought that this was the Messiah, and their faces were drawn, and they were very unhappy, and they were very cold and very dismantled, and they didn't they were not getting any joy whatsoever out of putting their confidence in a man who claimed that he would rise again from the dead. And the Lord Jesus appeared to them, but he disguised himself so they did not know who he was. And he said, why are you so long-faced? Why are you so cold? Why are you so indifferent? They said, well, you must be a stranger around here. We've been up there in Jerusalem, and the very man that we were depending on to be our Savior, he's dead. But the Scripture said, did not our heart burn within us when he began to talk with us by the way and when he opened to us the scriptures ah Christ Jesus revives us when we get cold and bitter his love will not go away in john 13:1 having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end His love will not go away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the fourth thing, we're satisfied as mourners. Mourners. In verse number 25, I have replenished every sorrowful soul. One of the Beatitudes reads thusly, Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Have you ever noticed that sorrow and mourning precede comfort? There must be a time of sorrow. There must be a time of mourning. But then cometh the rejoicing. And the satisfaction. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Why should we be comforted? And what contributes to our being discomforted? Well, number one, there is a sorrow of past sins. A sorrow of past sins. In Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 20. In those days and in that time saith the Lord. The iniquity of Israel shall be sought for. And there shall be none. And the sins of Judah for they shall not be found. For I will pardon them. In Jeremiah 31:34, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. We have no right, no scriptural right to point at the fallen characters of some people and pass extreme judgment on others because of sins committed. And things done that should not have been done. But I'm telling you this, my dear friend. Again, we look into the mirror. And you know what you see? And when you look in the mirror, some people thought, well, I need to get me a different kind of mirror. No, they all do about the same thing. I've done things in my life that I'm scared of. I have done things in my life that I would to God I had never done. Things of which I am not proud of. And so have you. Skeletons have a way of coming out of their closets. And it's a frightening thing if you dwell on what you used to be Before Christ saved you from your sins. And you'd still be that today had He not interrupted His will over your will and drew you unto Himself. Sorrow of past sins. All of us have failed in so many ways. All of us have failed in so many ways. We failed His husbands, we failed His wives, we failed His children. We have say, we, we failed as individuals, on and on. We failed as church members. We failed. We failed. But Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, if God forgets my sin, I should be able to forget my sin. And say, thank by the grace of God, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's satisfaction and comfort. You ever have somebody walk up and say, well, I remember what you used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there is the sorrow over inbred sins. Now, this part, of we don't like too much, okay? But it's the Word of God. A sorrow we sometimes have over inbred sins in the 7th chapter of the book of Romans. I took you to chapter 11. We go back to chapter number 7 of the book of Romans. Look at verse number 18. Romans chapter 7 verse number 18. Paul says, and this is to me one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, the apostle Paul. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now, where does he say this contamination? It lies in the flesh. And we do, and we are flesh. I know we're spirit, but we also are flesh. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good. I find not. I tell you, dear friends, sin will wreck you. Sin will wreck you. Inbred sins. However, look at verses 24 and 25 of that Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. How about that? Paul called himself wretched. Wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he gives the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh the law of sin. Inbred. Inbreded sin nature. And we're not through with that nature. And won't be through with it until God gives us a glorified body we have it today have you ever asked yourself the question maybe you did something and it was so uncharacteristic of it, you 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 rageable why did i do that i tell you why because we have inbreded sin in our nature and there's a constant battle between good and bad. I hope it's in your life. I hope it isn't all 100% good. That means you're already perfect and you don't need to go to heaven. Or it means you say, sorry, my dear friends, you probably wouldn't go to heaven anyway, you know. We all do things we ought not to do. And we know better. We know better. But we do them anyway. We as believers can be overcome with addictions. Yes, sir. Now, God has given us dominion over sin through grace. But my dear friends, let me tell you something. You have to surrender to the will of God to be free from addictions. And there are all kinds of addictions Those things that we think we've got to have. I've just got to have this. And I've got to. I I can't be happy until I have. Our satisfaction is not in things. Our satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. The son of God. Because we can eat him in his entirety. We get our fatness from him. And then there's a sorrow sometimes over present troubles we are going to have some troubles all of us all of us are going to have troubles from time have marriage troubles yeah children troubles yeah employment troubles yeah preacher troubles yeah but psalm 46 verse 1 says god is our refuge and strength he's a very present help in time of trouble. My, I? And sometimes there's a sorrow over departed loved ones. I would like to think it's probably the best thing to have a little sorrow over somebody that dies. Wouldn't you think so? One man had a wife who was on him all the time, criticizing him, fussing at him, fussing, 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 fussing. Well, she died. And at the funeral, during the service, there was a cloud that had developed, a storm cloud, and there was a jagged strip of lightning that shot through the air, and a boiling, loud thunder of boom And the husband looked up and said, Well, she made it. (laughs) We ought to have a little bit of sorrow for those that have died. But sometimes it's closer than others. I don't know if he's here today. But I'm going to tell you something. Brother I don't believe I better go there. A sorrow over departed loved ones. In Jeremiah 31, 15. Jeremiah 31, 15, okay. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children refused to be comforted, for her children because they were not. Now we don't have the time, but you find the fulfillment of that in Matthew 2:16 through 18. When Herod was told by the wise men that they'd seen this star in the east and they'd come to worship the Christ child, Herod made an edict that all the Hebrew baby children that were born two years old and under had to be killed. And there was a mass slaughter of these babies. So there was a cry that went out through the land a sorrow over departed loved ones. But verse number 16 tells us in our text Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy works shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. Hope is given in verse 16. All of those babies will be raised to life. All of those babies will be raised to life. Mary and Martha greeted Christ when he came in from a distant town. One of his most loyal friends was a man by the name of Lazarus. And he had died before Christ had gotten there. And Mary and Martha, sisters, said the same thing to Christ. They said, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, our brother would not die and had not died. Yet our Lord gave them comfort. When he said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And shortly thereafter he stood before the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. Most of us know somebody that was close to us that passed away, that that died, and it broke our hearts. And we shed many tears, and some of us have not recovered, even at times, from tragic things like that.
1: But I'm telling you,
0: that's not the last page in the book. That's not the final thought, my dear friend. It's going to be good when the Lord comes and the resurrection starts. Somebody said, Dan, where do you want to be when Christ comes? I said, in the graveyard. That's where all actions going to take place. Amen. A dead in Christ is going to rise first. And living believers are going to be caught up together with him. And so shall we ever be. Well, folk, I am a fool for believing what God says. I don't mind that. I have great compassion and concern For stupid people who don't believe the Bible. Christ is our satisfaction today. As well as forever. We can trust him. He never fails. And if you're here this morning seeking satisfaction in the things of the world. You'll always go away empty. They don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. But in Christ, there'll always be a sufficiency. He is our satisfaction. He is our satisfaction. Let's stand, please, for prayer.